0: C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio studios in Lake Wales, Florida, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because quote, people need to know what you know. End quote. This PBA and Bowling Writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002, 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Lynn Nicholson, the Phantom.
1: Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kegel Company. So go to kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week's special guest has been here with us many times before, and he always gives our listeners a lot of valuable information. He's been a student of the game for over 40 years, and he's developed many of the modern coaching techniques that are currently being taught around the world. He's also known for thinking outside the box in training and helping bowlers of all levels. He once drilled for the best bowlers on Pro Tour for over eight years. He's also developed a glove with Storm called the Power Glove, and he was probably the very first person to recognize that the reactive series of bowling balls were absorbing lane oil from the bowling lane. He's always busy learning and teaching, so let's get him out here and see what he's up to now. So, Phantom fans, here is Mr. Bill Hall. Hello, Bill. Good to hear your voice, Bards. How you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Right. How about yourself? I'm good. I got a little cold, I guess. Uh, it turned cold last week. It's in the 40s now, and it's been chilly as heck all day and all night. But I don't want to shoot too much, Bull. I want to get as much information out of you as I can. So, you know, as you know, our goal here at Tantum Radio is to pass along knowledge and information, and you do that. Every time that you appears on our show, so Bill, tell us, when you were drilling on tour, there was a generation of left-handers that I'm sure you remember well. I want you to talk about a few of those great lefties, okay? Go ahead and get started wherever you want.
2: Okay, okay first you have you to have pay... pay uh... Uh... Honor and respect to the lefties I didn't get to really watch because they were already finishing basically their careers, you know, like uh, Dave Davis, Johnny Petravia, uh, Mike McGrath, uh, uh, Bill Allen. And I mean, the list is forever. I mean, I could spend the whole two. I could spend two hours listing them. You know, I think that we have to honor those people in the past because that led to the players of the future. No matter how you look at it, that's the way it is. But there were a group of players that I'm going to pass along a little information. Let's first start with Mike Alvey and compare him with Earl Anthony. Um, As you may know, I have a, a memory of certain things that, you know, because they drilled so many bowling balls, you can't forget So Earl Anthony's access point was five and three-eighths over and a quarter up. Mike Albee's access point was five and a quarter and three-eighths up. So their ball rolls were very, very close together. And you also can look at the way that they came through the ball, the motion through the bottom, which people call the release. I really prefer much more calling it, A motion because that's really what it is. Um, When you look at their motion through the bottom, they were both identical. They both laid the ball down very cleanly. They didn't hit up on it. And they, you know, I go to this again and I, I hate bringing it up, but, you know, people, if you didn't go to the tournaments and you watched that generation, they played all different parts of the lane to get to the TV show. And then they played the part of the lane that gave them the best uh, margin to get to the pocket, to win the titles. So, you know, every time I hear, well, lefties are only good on the outside. Well, yeah, there's a lot of them that are only good on the the outside. There's also what I call the 20 teners, where people that they only play right around 10, they can't move and they're right-handed. So <laughs> You know, it's not a one-way street. It, there's a lot of limitations, which is what separates the best from those that aren't the best. Is their ability to attack the lane from different ways, uh, change change their ball rolls, change their rev rates. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how we've gotten into this trap because it's a strange thing when when there's five right-handers on a show. I don't hear anyone moan and groan. But if there's two lefties on a show and three right-handers on a show, everybody moans and groans and says that the left must have been easy. You know, they can play too, you know. They're not stupid. Boy, that's for sure. (laughs) I
1: watched them for years myself, and the top ones, the top ten lefties, the top ten righties were all interchangeable. If one was as good as the other, every once in a while, one of them would break out into a big a series of victories for the year and become bowler of the year like Earl. And then there was the Walter Ray and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're, they're all great bowlers, the top
2: 10 lefties and righties. Absolutely. And when you take, let's do a different comparison. Let's take Steve Cook and Parker Bond. All right. Their access points were identical five and a half over, at least back then. I don't know what they are now. And Both of them attacked the lane with their strengths, which was, people don't know, Parker can actually rev a ball pretty good. Um, But he also threw the ball so hard that you didn't see the ball motion as much as you would as if he threw it slower. Well, the same thing happened with Steve Cook. He was able to rev the ball and keep it online. Steve Cook and Parker loved to rev the ball. They didn't like to see it hook. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that aspect either. And what one people what people may not know is when Parker first came out, um his mother before she passed away, God bless her soul. Um she thanked me multiple times for working with Parker because Parker was a flame and throw and wouldn't move and I said, "Look, you know, that's nice when you're at home." But you're out here against the big boys right now, and you're going to have to be able to manipulate the things that you're doing. So I gave him some tricks, worked with a few things, and the rest is all up to him. Again, I don't like taking credit for a player's abilities. It's just not my thing. I, you know, If they bowl great, they bowl great. If they bowl bad, they bowl bad. But I'm not the one throwing it. But when you look at all those things and you see that aspect and you were there, that's something that you have to understand is how good they really were at attacking different parts of the lane and manipulating their physical games to be able to manipulate the lane. And, you know, I don't think they get enough credit for that. And I'm talking about as a overall in general, the, uh, how good most of these lefties are, not all of them. There's some that, Ball really well right now that I I'm not interested you know I don't think that I think they're one shot wonders but that's just my uh, my opinion but exactly. when you when you go back and you look the players that were able to have long very sex successful careers year in and year out they were able to p- attack a lane very very differently and adjust ball rolls ball speeds rev rates And I think um, they need to be uh, credited with much more than what people do credit them with. For sure. You know, uh,
1: I don't want to get off topic, but I want to mention something that you just mentioned. And that was Parker's mom. Boy, she was a sweetheart. You know, she loved him so much and she started her own business uh, selling all kinds of stuff at the tournament sites and what a sweetheart she was and, You're right. She's sorely missed, my friend.
2: She was great. Let me tell you, you know, um, even when Parker became very, very, very successful, she's the one that kept him grounded. Yeah, yeah. She she did not let much get out of her sight, and she kept him very, very much down to earth and constantly reminded him, you still got work to do. (laughs) Hey, so let
1: me ask you, uh, you've mentioned four
2: guys already,
1: uh, Earl and, and Parker and uh, uh, Mike Albee. But anyway, most of those great players, you said the same thing. They had a similar role. They got the ball in the lane the same way. But let's talk a little bit about your drilling. Uh, you drilled their equipment. Who was the most difficult to drill, drill for?
2: Oh, so you're going to put me on the spot. I, yes, I, yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Steve Cook. Really? Oh, without it. Oh, my God. He, The guy had such a feel. And he was the one that originally started using what, I don't even know if it's around anymore. It was called the Exacticator. I remember so, that. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy that, did a lot of his own ball work. And that's one thing people don't may or may not know is when you drill the balls out on tour, we didn't bevel them or anything. We popped the holes, handed it to the players, and um, they took care of the rest. And Steve Cook was an absolute artist at working out a bowling ball and making the bevel feel the same and everything like that. Another player from the past that was that way was – Dave Davis, you you would have sworn that it came off of a milling machine, the way he ovaled and everything like that. <laughs> it was just perfect. But Steve Cook, man, you know, and uh, I, I might as well say it, he would hawk you while you're drilling stuff for him on the, on the truck. And, and it took a while for him to just look at me and say, okay, you know, um, you just go ahead, I'll pick it up. But for quite a while, he hawked. I mean, you know, what time do you think my ball will be ready? And then I would tell him an approximate time, and he would be there 10, 15 minutes early, come in and watch it get drilled. So he was fanatical about it, which we I never had a problem with. There were some players that were just that picky. Um, going on the other side, um, I mean, they're brother-in-laws, but Mike Albee was, get it really close, I'll figure out the rest. But again... <laughs> We had a reputation with hold upholding and uh, uh, the truck to make sure we were very very precise. So we didn't hardly miss, and if we missed, it wasn't by much. So he was one that drilled. Here's the weird part: all of the ones that I was just mentioning drilled a ton, and I mean a ton of bowling balls. They drilled. Um, On average, uh, Mike Albee would drill two to three a week, Parker Bond at least two, Steve Cook two, Earl Anthony three to four, because he would throw them and say, okay, uh, that one just doesn't roll the way I'm looking to do it. You know, I mean, the guy's knowledge was unbelievable. So it's things that I think people need to go back and learn the backstory of uh, of what these players did that made them so great, and they paid very very, very, very close attention to detail.
1: So when you drilled Steve Cook's ball, uh, was there any problem with his
2: span? I'm sure he had a monstrous span, right? He constantly changed it. he when when it, when I first went out on tour and drilled his stuff, it was slightly long. Then he he did something to his hand. I believe he broke his thumb in a softball game or something. I know he had a problem with his thumb. I don't remember the exact details. But then he went to what I considered was a little too short. And then after a while, he settled on something in between. So he's somebody that was constantly fidgeting. With different feels and different grip uh, lengths and different uh, angles or pitches in the in the holes, but once he settled on something, you better be exact drilling it. <laughs>
1: well, I know one thing for sure. Besides being a great bowler, uh, he was a hell of an athlete. Uh, he invited me to play golf with him one time, and I was playing pretty decent. And I went up there to Sacramento, as close to where I was living. He had his brother, or brother-in-law, somebody. We had to force him. And he says, go ahead. You can start it out. So I hit one about 220 right down the middle. And then he hit one. I never saw it go up. And I never saw it come down. He hit it at least 350. And it was way past everything. And I, I was so intimidated. Uh, I stunk up the whole place the
2: rest of the day. Man, that guy can hit a golf ball a mile. He was extremely athletic and I mean when you go back and you look at the films of the 80s and stuff like that look how toned he was he was not he was a big man yeah but that was not baby fat that was <laughs> beef so yeah. he was somebody that was very skilled with his body and very phys- very physically fit you know I think people need to realize that you know what you see on TV and the reality of what they were, two totally separate worlds. <laughs> for
1: sure. And for such a big guy, that knee bend he had was so strong and solid. He never, ever lost his balance. For a big guy, that's tough to do. But you know what I do? I got to do right now, parts? I got to mention our sponsor, uh, special announcement. He told me to write this. And so get your pencils and paper ready because here's your chance to get a -a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt, and you can enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio. And this 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it, and it says, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order it at 714-309-7587 and be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. So call Jerry at 714-309-7587, and be sure to mention that you heard this on Phantom Radio, and they'll give you a nice little discount. All right, Pards, I got another question for you here. I could ask you millions of them, but this one is, you know, all those lefties, and like I said, and you know the same thing, uh, the top ones were every bit as good as the righties.
2: Uh, did you have a favorite lefty that you like to watch? Absolutely. And I know I wasn't supposed to, <laughs> but I did. When uh, Other than watching Mr. Anthony and him, my favorite to watch, without a doubt, was Mike Aldi. Um, you want to talk about pure class. Um pure grace with a bowling ball, uh, his ability to be able to attack a lane and very speeds, very ball rolls to match that part of the lane that he wanted to attack. I compare it a lot to a Marshall Holman, just poetry in motion. And, you know, those are the things that I always look for is what player did it look like they were doing the most with the least amount of physical effort. And when you break down the best in generation after generation after generation, that's exactly what they look like. They look like they're doing absolutely nothing and they're doing everything. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like an optical illusion, but I really enjoyed him being around him and his wife, uh, Tammy was incredibly nice to me. She was somebody I could go talk to about just about anything. So we became very, very good friends. And she was not only a, uh, a good friend to me, but the support she gave Mike Albee and the amount of love and respect they had for each other was phenomenal. So they were a great influence on me because I was going through a little bit of a rough time at the, a few times out on the road. Um, but, you know, people know that it's not an easy life. But, you know, Mike Albee, you know, patient. You know, if if I had a, a stack in front of me, and usually we did, to drill, you know, he was always very patient. Um, you, He was always um, asking and put all, I, let's just put it this way he put it all his equipment choices in my hands. And, you know, he's, I've got a letter from him and a trophy that I've never displayed, but it's a private letter. And basically it says, thank you for all your help. You know, without your help, I feel like I could have never reached my full potential. So it's a great letter. And it's a trophy with, when he shot 299 on the TV show, I think that was Michigan and, um, he, he left the seven pen. He made a trophy with the seven pen and gave it to me. (laughs) So those are, I mean, you know, those are memories and treasures that I don't think, I don't think anybody could really pay me enough to have them. You know, those are things that the moments of fatigue, the moments of, you know, I'm tired of doing this, uh, made it all worthwhile and that's one thing that i can never thank uh mike Albee and tammy Albee enough for is how much they really showed support for what we did and what a great friend she was and mike Albee and i became very very good friends as well and it's it was you know it's hard not to have a favorite when they treat you that well yeah well that's very classy of you to mention that
1: um and also him, probably the classiest guy I've ever met. Uh, he sent a letter to every proprietor at every tournament he ever went to. Uh, what a great player. I love to watch him bowl. I also like to watch this other guy that he was the Rookie of the Year back in 92. And uh, one day he's in a practice session. And it was a major tournament. and I was a lame guy, and I had everybody playing inside. And he came to me he says, you know what? You're never going to get me. And I says, I don't want to get you. Why would I want to get you? He says, well, watch this. And he went down. He was laying the ball down on the two board on the right side. And I thought he's just joking around. That's where he played the whole tournament, made the TV show, playing inside the fourth arrow. Jason Couch, what a talent.
2: Unbelievable talent. And that's yeah. just, you know – there's so many great lefties. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jason could fire it up the ditch. He could play right around between right around the second arrow. He wasn't real good between the first and the first and second arrow, but right left of that or right of that, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> your brains in. He he yeah, he was there a
1: couple of times when he was bowling really well, and I had a couple of righties come to me and say, yeah, hanging around the lefties. You know, I'm sure you're helping them out. And I says, you know something? You shouldn't be complaining about Jason. You can't beat the righties. What are you complaining about the lefties for? (laughs) (laughs) And Jason just cracked up. And the guy nodded, yeah, you're right. He walked away. But (laughs) I miss those guys. And I wanted to mention that because yesterday was his birthday. So I want to send along happy birthday to Jason, Pards.
2: Well, happy birthday, Jason.
1: All right, well listen, uh, I'm looking to old clock in the wall. We've got a minute left. I'm going to give that to you
2: if there's anything you want to close with today. You mentioned something a little while ago about how classy Mike Albee is. but I want to tell you, after we did the dedication to Brian Voss, he uh, he posted a message to me that was very heartfelt. Very honoring and very understanding. And, you know, I really appreciated him taking a moment because, you know, he's pretty much walked away from bowling for now. I can't say about his future, but he hasn't bowled anything in quite a while. Um, But these – all these great players were not only classy when they won – They were classy when they didn't win. And all of them were very, very um, friendly off the lanes. Would I approach them on the lanes? Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, we were fortunate to be able to watch those guys for all those years, but I'm going to have you back on again. You always give us a lot of information, but. The old clock on the wall does tell me we're out of time, and I look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We have another great event and great guest to talk to. And I want to thank our sponsors Storm Bowling, Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan, who just last week was entered into the Coaches Michigan Bowling Hall of Fame. So from Phantom Radio, this is a phantom. When you're down and troubled, and you need some loving and care, and nothing, what nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I.